Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argyris, and this week I'm looking for the best, weirdest sequel ever written. <laughs> to help me are two high school English teachers, but they're on summer break, so mm, how qualified are they? But we'll find out. Uh, Ian and Joe. Right. I think we lose the right to be called teachers when we're on summer break because we go <laughs> unemployed. From, you know, like, Two, two unemployed men. <laughs> two unemployed men scattered across the United States. Ian and Joe. Oh, Nick, my name's Joe Holshue. I am an unemployed man. And I, if you're looking for weird sequels, I brought, I, it, it, it's probably the weirdest okay. book I've ever read. It is wow. the sequel to Roald Dahl's Willy Wonka. Nope, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> it is called Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. And it's, Nick, it's weird. It's it's pretty weird. Okay, I'll be the judge of that. All right, well, I mean, it's weird is all I'm saying. Hello, and welcome to You Don't Know High School English Teachers Named Ian and Joe. My no. name is Ian. <laughs> and um, I'm not sure what's happening right now. I just have to say, the weirdness is real. The weirdness is the the weird is strong with this one. Oh, we're gonna be weird. Got it. I brought a weird book because I'm a high school English mm-hmm. teacher, and that's all we do: bring weird books right. to podcasts. Yeah, bring weird. Books. Um, my weird, weird book is entitled "The Marvelous Land of Oz," and it's a sequel to "The Wonderful Wizard of Oz," and it it's pretty weird. It's pretty weird. I wouldn't say it's the weirdest book I've ever read, but it is the weirdest Oz sequel I've ever read for sure. May your earlobes turn into assholes and shit on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If you look closely <laughs> enough, every author was at some point a racist. Audiobooks don't count, right? All art is quite useless. <laughs> who, who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs. Hey, can I just congratulate us here for a second? I feel like Ian and I are really on theme this week. Like, we're not always yeah. on theme, but I feel like we really <laughs> nailed it. Like, like not only did we bring weird sequels, we brought weird sequels for books that were kind of weird to begin with. Yeah. Mm. Yep. That's yes. great. Hey, can I congratulate myself, too? Yeah, great hey, great but, introduction, yeah. I thought. Well. I will say... I will say the the weird effect is less because my first book is so weird. Because The Wonderful Wizard of Oz is so weird, the fact that The Marvelous Land of Oz is also weird in different ways, it's less. Like if you just had a normal, I don't know, what's the most normal book you can think of? The Very Hungry Caterpillar. If there was a right, sequel so with like magic, magic powder that brought people to life and an unholy mm-hmm. assemblage of sofas and skulls, then that would be pretty strange. But right, right. a real left turn. Right. The baseline yeah. is different. How many times do you think we'll say weird? Could, every time we say weird, could you just do like a little like ding sound effect? Like <laughs> yeah, ding, absolutely. Ding. Perfect. Just thank with you. my mouth or? Oh, or with your mouth. It's fine if you don't want to do it in post. Or you could bleep it every time we said weird. Lots of options, Nick. Um, well, welcome Litheads to You Don't Know Lit, uh, weekly, or as we call it, a strongly podcast here, uh, where every week we pick a theme and two books to fit that theme and Ian and Joe battle it out for, <laughs> for my praise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's gross. <laughs> um, and of course we have a winner, uh, but in order to get there, we do need some rules to guide us. Uh, rule number one is only unavoidable spoilers, gentlemen. Uh, rule number two, omit needless words, omit Joe. Omit needless and words. rule number three, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing that's it's important Lombardi. here. And you will remember, of course, our regular shadow rules. What time is it? Where are we going? And are we there yet? <laughs> right. How could we forget? Um, thank you, Ian. So, uh, Joseph, do you want to take 30 seconds and just tell me what your weird, wacky book is about? <laughs> well, I, I didn't say wacky. I said weird. I, we, okay. we have a theme. Oh, we want to stick to the theme. Shoot. All right. Well, Nick, rules. do you know how Charlie and the Chocolate Factory ends with that elevator like floating over the streets of Charlie Bucket's hometown? 
Yeah, with the little boy who just gets out of an elevator and flies up into space with a man that yep. they don't even know. Well, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator starts with that same elevator. I mean, it's a Wonkivator blasting mm. into outer space. It gets weirder from there. There's a space hotel, vicious aliens, time travel, a sort of like underworld journey. And uh, a guy named Lancelot Gillygrass, the president of the United States of America, who plays a really prominent role. Great. Wow. What? What's his it's name again? Lancelot Gillygrass. Oh, wait, get this. The vice president is his nanny. Like it's his childhood nanny. Nepotism. Hmm. Yeah, nepotism. Who would you guys make your vice presidents? You can't say your wives. That'd be uh, really lame. <laughs> Nick, I would make you my vice president. That's obviously. great. And Ian, <laughs> would, who would you make your vice president? I would make Arnold Schwarzenegger my vice president. Right. Probably. Yeah, I was going to say Arnold as well. Is he allowed to be? Uh, we don't have to get into it, but he's not American born. So he can't be president. So can he be vice president? No, that's actually, guys, I really don't want to get too far into like constitutional law, but it turns out that that's actually uh, that that part of the rule is um not quite. It's not like in the Constitution. It's based on a, a very strangely worded uh, legal decision from the 1890s, and it's it could shadow, very well be overturned. shadow constitution. It's shadow a shadow rule. <laughs> yes. Interesting. So Arnold Schwarzenegger could be our yeah, president. Like if Arnold wanted to, I don't like honestly. Mm-hmm. If Arnold won the popular and electoral vote, would anyone stand right. in his way? I think not. Not no. physically. He would terminate them. Yeah, he would just kill them. Is he that <laughs> crush your that, enemies? No, is he a robot in real See life? See them driven before you. And hear the lamentations of the women. <laughs> hey, Ian, are you going to tell me what your book is about or what? When L. Frank Baum published The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, it was a smash hit. So naturally, he wrote a sequel. That sequel, which is entitled The Marvelous Land of Oz, doubles down on the weirdness of the first book. With extended subplots about punning, a magical powder that can bring anything to life, and an extremely anticlimactic war with precisely zero consequences. Um, I have a question for both of you. Um, I like sequels, but only when they were intended from before the first one came out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there no needs way. to be some intent there. Otherwise, they're garbage trash. Right. Money grabs. They're money grabs. It's like the, like the Matrix problem. Yeah, well, I think they intended to make all three. Well, they did a bad job. <laughs> but, yeah, the best laid plans of mice and men. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like Breaking Bad, which like oh, did not right. set up to be a you know nine seasons long. It was like no, this guy is gonna die of cancer eventually. Mm-hmm. So spoilers. Um, <laughs> so my question is, how far after your first books were your second books written? Do you know? And remember, there's no way you're going to know the right answer here. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, mine was my 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 book was published four years after the the first Oz mm. book. So pretty good, pretty good, pretty back to back there. Hey, Joe, what about you? Seven years Ooh. after. Yep, it's not good, and it actually gets a little more damning because it was actually published after the Gene Wilder film became like oh, a what? massive success. Oh, yeah. Rebel Ball. Yeah. Money, money, money. Yeah. Um. So okay, so he wasn't even shy about the money grab. No, he's just like, oh, fantastic! Here, here comes a summer home. <laughs> Let me write some weird book. <laughs> Joe, yours sounds like it's um has weird. a lot of. M- um, artistic fiber to it. Let's let's start with that. All right. All right, Nick. Um, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator takes place immediately after Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like, they're still in the Great Glass Elevator when they blast off into space. By the way, uh, I like this. Yeah. When the yeah. sequel does this. Oh, yeah. It makes just it feel... Right yeah, just pick, pick it right up. Yeah. This book really has two halves to it. You could say that about any book, I suppose, or like anything. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This book Mm -hmm. has two halves to it, though. The first half is a space adventure. Like, Mm -hmm. they go into outer space. They encounter, like, 
outer spacey things there. And the second half is a return to the chocolate factory that we all know and love. Um, and like the same sorts of shenanigans, like the same sorts of like morally dubious shenanigans. But this time, instead of happening to a group of children, they happen to a group of adults, uh, mostly Charlie Bucket's family. So I guess, Nick, which side are you more interested in hearing about? Oh, it's like a choose your own adventure. Yeah, it is like a choose your adventure. Um, I definitely the the first the first half sounds significantly more interesting, Joe. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Charlie Bucket so, blasts off into space. Yeah, they go to Space Hotel USA, <laughs> which is so stupid. Uh, okay, name. so th- that's the name of it. Good name. It's okay. It's a space station, kind of, but it's a space station that's meant for tourists it's like the first hotel in outer space and it is called space hotel usa um it seems to be like made by the u.s government like the like the u.s president uh, the president of the united states is super involved and he's like concerned that they're there but when they get there it's totally vacant like it isn't open yet i hate it when that happens is it like is it like nakatomi plaza in die hard yeah, kind of, except there's not. Nice. Well, actually, there are kind of terrorists in it. It's actually who, a lot like that. Who is it that walks in. across broken glass and bare feet? It's, I think it's Bruce Willis. Most of Charlie Bucket's family can't walk. Do you remember how they're like all in bed? Like they can't walk. Most of them. Dark turn. There we go. Uh, hey, Joe, what's this book about? Um, <laughs> are you I, trying to explain it? Is this the best approach? Yeah, well, I mean. Yeah, I, I think I'm. Do, I think I'm doing the best anyone's ever done. It's like, like literally, Nick. This book is about the glass elevator yep. goes into space because it's yep. also a spaceship, kind of. Check. They fight aliens in yep. space. Yeah. They come back to Earth and have shenanigans at the chocolate factory. Back at and then it again. They get invited to the White House as personal guests of the President of the United States. That's pretty mm. much the premise. So I'm assuming that, they save the world? No, that's not the premise. That's the plot. <laughs> like, like, I just told you everything that happens in the book. The premise is N-A. Non-applicable. Spoilers. Yeah, the premise is basically, and then. And then. Yeah, so is this just a series of uh, yeah, do you want to take this one Ian? I mean, yeah. I could start chopping it up too, but why don't I you I mean, go I have first? a question like okay. Mm-hmm. Um against my better judgment, I've read quite a few Roald Dahl books and mm-hmm. um they usually have like a a central thing. And there's like a there's a cer- there's a certain amount of perambulation which happens in the course of a Roald Dahl book, but there's usually like he's a big giant and he's friendly. And that's it. That's the deal. And there are dreams. And then the Queen of England does some farts. Right. Or like there's this kid named James and there's a great big peach. Right. Like, right. is there a central motif or conceit to this of, to this novel? Or is it more just like Roald Dahl sat down and kind of free associated for a while and then cashed the check? Okay. I love that you use the word free association because I, I think like oh, no. if I had to... Like if I had to like, if I was trying to say yes to this question, I'd be like, well, yeah, there's a central motif. It's like this elevator, like it's right in the title. It's like this kind of magical elevator that can do all this stuff. But the reality is, is halfway through this book, that elevator disappears. Like by the time they go back to earth, that elevator has gone. It really feels like you have a junior creative writing class and you read Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and then you give them a writing prompt that says, and then what happens? And uh-huh. they just go nuts. <laughs> that's what this book feels like. And it's weird. I have a one-star review for you. Uh-huh. Um, how is this a Roald Dahl book? <laughs> it's so bad. It's a completely uh, unnecessary sequel. It's very slow-paced. It's got an inconsistent tone and an incoherent storyline. The characters are really silly, and there's a big lack of focus on Charlie, the title character. It seems like Roald Dahl just jotted down a bunch of random ideas for this one without thinking about whether they added up to make a s- sensical story. And yeah, that's, that's from Han. So, Joe, it sounds like uh, Han or Han um, uh, totally agree with you. Yeah, like it's it's... I do think it's tonally a little bit 
wacky and inconsistent. And I do well, think hold on. Charlie, is it wacky or weird? Because yeah, because you, well, okay, you jumped down our throats for saying wacky a minute. Yeah, ago, so. it's totally weird. But like, I and I do think like Charlie it, Charlie Bucket is this kind of side character. Like the most interesting character by far is Willy Wonka in this whole thing. Although let's be real, that's also true. When I say the first one, I'm of course only referring to the Gene Wilder movie. <laughs> but you know, the only one ever made. Have they made this into a movie? Okay, this is this is not made into a movie. It's wow. one of the only rolled doll books that has never been like there's no screen adaptation whatsoever. So no movie, no um like cartoon, Man. no Ooh. nothing. Even and Hollywood think, won't touch it, huh, Joe? Yeah, <laughs> they that, touch that is, everything. <laughs> that is the sense that you get. Even it's Netflix like, is like, mm, we're good. <laughs> They're like, it's a little too weird. It's a little too out there. <laughs> Maybe like some examples of like the weird stuff that happens here. I think that would be nice, Joe. Thank you. Okay, fantastic. I talked about President Lancelot Gillegrass, okay? He did. I think Roald Dahl doesn't like Americans, right? And that's like not a weird thing for, you know, that's like the old European thing. Ha ha ha. But like, Uh, no, you're going to have to add a lot of context to that statement. I'm not sure what you're talking about at all. I I know I, that's a thing like like Europeans look down their long snobby noses at us <laughs> awesome Americans right <laughs> okay the president is like the least <laughs> flattering depiction of a head of state I've ever seen <laughs> like he yells nice. everything there's a Oompa Loompa song that says he couldn't read until he was 23 years old <laughs> is that president supposed to mirror a real life president who was the president at the time who was the president in 1974? I'm going to I'm going to say Jimmy Carter. Oh. You well, hold on. <laughs> no, it was not it could not have been Jimmy Carter. It would have been Ford or Nixon. Okay. I'm going to say it was Nixon. Uh that that's Nixon. Yeah. And there Ford. Oh, wait, was that when they switched over from 74 to 77, yeah. I listened to the audiobook of this and it's almost stressful because the entire time the audio the, the narrator is just yelling what the president says. And in the first half of this book, the president is like everywhere in it. I talked about how his nanny is his vice president. Uh, so she's like 95 years old because she raised him and she's like the power behind the throne. Oh, um, oh you know, Oompa Loompa songs like Oompa Loompa Doompa yeah. Dee Doo, right? Mm, keep singing. There is a four page Oompa Loompa song about <laughs> constipation. Oh man, Joe, I don't know if you're aware, but this is supposed to be weird sequels, not the worst sequels ever made. <laughs> well, it this all adds up rough, man. to be pretty weird. <laughs> I, I guess bombing a beloved franchise is pretty weird. <laughs> okay, here's another weird thing about it. <laughs> Uh, it's a sequel. See how bad it's, I can fucking make this. <laughs> it's actually a middle book. Nothing weirder than that. <laughs> Joe, is there any... Uh, I know you were going to continue on your list of, of just random no. weird things, but is there... Tell us, what did you like about this book? Um, okay, I liked... One of the things that I think is always really attractive about Willy Wonka, Charlie to the Chocolate Factory, and just Roald Dahl in general, is it's like this weird balance between feeling childlike and like whimsical kind of, but also being like kind of macabre and morally pretty dark and like pretty unsentimental Mm. about pretty serious things. Um, You know, I think of like, you know, you can imagine in the, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, like these kind of horrific things that happen to these kids that are played off in a really lighthearted way. Okay. One of the things I really like about this book, especially in the second half, is it it continues that theme, right? Like Willy Wonka's newest invention in this book is an anti-aging pill. And one pill that's going to be sought after. Uh it reverse ages you by 20 years, okay? Why isn't it called the Benjamin Button pill? The, they are not called Benjamin Buttons. No. No. Yet. Yet. Well, he puts these in front of the grandparents, like Charlie Bucket's bedridden grandparents. And Nick, can you guess what happens? Um, They eat them all <laughs> so much 
They eat they eat all of them. That piece of shit uncle. He eats them all and he dies of youngness, like yeah, Benjamin okay. Button did. Nick, literally, that's exactly what happens. Like they <laughs> they fight over these yeah. pills in the same like they get greedy for these pills the same way Augustus Gloop gets greedy for the chocolate milk river, right? Yeah. Like they're like snatching from each other, they're just popping them down. And one of his grandparents mm-hmm. accidentally reverse ages herself oh, to before the time she was born. And Uh-oh. they have to like go into the underworld like they literally go down into the earth to recover her spirit and like blast her with a like re-aging like super soaker more or less that's weird <laughs> it's so that's weird. pretty weird it's i wouldn't say it's necessarily a redeeming quality but it's weird for sure so the wacky hijinks of his crazy inventions continue yeah, like, yeah. So I. What really, are some other Wonka inventions? What are is it all candy form again? Is he still doing candy? Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's all candy. We that guy's got a real gimmick. sweet tooth, huh? <laughs> What's that, Ian? It's his gimmick. Yeah, it's his thing. <laughs> it's his thing. And I mean, nobody's taking it. To, to put it in more serious terms, he's on brand. He knows what his yeah. brand identity is, and he's just preserving that. Uh, delicious candy with um, deadly consequences, <laughs> <laughs> crippling side effects. You've heard of ACDC. This is DCDC. Delicious candy, deadly consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, he okay. So so yes, like he's very on brand. There's a couple okay. other like so chocolate. Char- so like, Willie's back killing everybody. Okay, <laughs> I like that you say killing everybody. Uncle because- Willie's killing everybody again. <laughs> He came back to finish the rest of the family off. There's a there's a point in the book where he's discussing um, how he made these anti aging pills, and it's one of these points where like any like any time with like like Willy Wonka, you get this thing where you're like, oh, I don't know if that's fun or really scary and evil, right? And I think of the hmm. I think of the first movie. Do you know like the part where they go through the tunnel? My yeah, God. terrifying. Yeah, it, yeah, like this terrifying part where yeah. they go through the tunnel. So he's talking about developing these anti-aging pills, which is like obviously this really cool and amazing thing that he has invented. And they're candy, of course. He goes into like how he made them. But he talks about the testing process and like what he had to do to test them. Apparently, Willy Wonka tests his candies on Oompa Loompas. Okay. Okay. In the process of developing <laughs> these pills, he killed. We're here with you. Okay. In the Joe. process of developing these pills, he killed yeah. 131. Right. Yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say it here first. I think Willy Wonka might be the greatest villain ever. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, like, when you watch he's killing the, film, the community, he's killing his his children. He's a monster. Yeah. Like. When you watch the film and all the parents get like up in a huff about like, oh, this thing happened to my parent and and Wonka, you're a madman. Like as the viewer, you're like, well, yeah, but your kid kind of had it coming. Like, like you're being, yeah, you're being kind of a stick in the mud, pal. Like right. your kid, right? Like yeah. was a rotten egg. These are high stake <laughs> chocolate games. <laughs> When you read about him killing these Oompa Loompas, and granted, he went right. back into the underworld and he eventually rescued them and all those things. But Which when we'll you read about soon. him killing these Oompa Loompas, you go, oh, I, that's actually pretty evil. Like, like that's, that's Right. Morally- I don't even think it's worth explaining, Joe. I, I think we get that killing hundreds of anybody is pretty evil. <laughs> um, so, Joe, can you tell us more about how he keeps entering uh, hell? And bringing people back from the dead? Because now I'm thinking he's maybe not just the wor- greatest villain ever. Now I'm thinking he might be the devil. Might just be a demon. <laughs> or, or like a lesser demon. Uh, can you tell us about that? A particular uh, story structure? He he just goes down. He like goes they down. take They take the great glass elevator. They go down um, in, in an incredibly fast way to get down. Uh-huh. Uh, he has Probably a great little elevator, joke. Yeah about how he has a second elevator that goes up really fast and it's on the same track. And as they're like hurtling towards the center of the earth, he makes an offhanded comment where he says, man, I hope the Oompa Loompas aren't coming up right now because we only have the one track. Hmm. 
Sounds like he's killed a lot of Oompa Loompas that way. <laughs> sounds like oh. it wasn't a joke. It sounds like it was history. So, yeah, so yes, the way that they go to hell is they take an elevator to the center of the earth. Do you does think- everybody go to hell? <laughs> uh, well, Charlie Man. does and Willy Wonka does and they and that and then they spray like that re-aging potion on his grandmother's uh, pre-born spirit. Oh, Jesus. And when he sprays the re-aging potion on her. Hey, he Ian. Hey, Ian. Way yeah. too much. Hey, Ian, you, you win this week. <laughs> I don't, blind, you win. There's no way you don't win. There's no way. This is the worst, Joe. This book sounds like dog shit. And the internet agrees. But what else happens, Joe? Tell us about it. What, what did you like so, about you know, it? I, I'm sorry. I have a question. Yep. Kind, of a, kind of a more yes. macro question. A more meta question. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the nuance. Did um, did Roald Dahl sit back and say, "Hate you, how, hate us"? How can I make candy and inventions terrible and the worst? Yeah. How can I make children terrified of candy? <laughs> hmm. You've you've given us a lot to think about here, Joe. <laughs> a lot. I think the biggest you've thing changed is, the why way we're looking at the first one. Yeah, why isn't this a movie? Or I think Michael Bay could take this one on. When I Googled, is the, there a film adaptation of The Great Glass Elevator? It said, yes, Netflix is considering it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's everything. Yeah, Netflix everything. is considering a film adaptation of this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wait, we aren't supposed to talk <gasps> about that. Shh, shh. Yeah. Oh, sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, I have almost nothing else to say about this book. I've given <laughs> you all the weird stuff. Thank yep, you, Joe. I've given you all the weird stuff. Joe, it's, it's interesting you mentioned like, hijinks because I, as I, as I looked at like summarizing my book, there's a lot that goes on. And I think one of the delights of this kind of, and I think the Oz books are similar to world dolls books in terms of they're like chapter books, kind of, they, they sort of, they just have like Mm. stuff, stuff that happens. Yeah. Maybe we're just being lame adults right now. Can I ask one more question? Is that okay? Is it is it a fun read? Like, is it just like, hey, a lot of cool shit, a lot of weird shit happens, and that's the point of the book, right? This is this is kind of what I was getting at. Like, some of these, I think maybe the genre, it's just like, yeah, there's a bunch of crazy stuff that happens, and that's okay because like that's you you it's it's entertaining for a kid. I think if you had a kid and you wanted to read this and you wanted to read this aloud to them. I think you two would have a lot of fun reading this aloud together. Like, now, why would like you a, two be reading this to my kid? Well, and any right, you know, maybe it honestly has like a, a soporific effect where the child is so exerting themselves so much to try and follow along with the insane logic of the piece that mm-hmm. they're like Puts they them tire themselves out mentally. Right, right, mental gymnastics. Yeah, intellectual. Yeah, yep. Hey guys, we already did next week's 4th of July and we already did America. Should we do a sequel? A sequel, American sequel. Oh, wait, let's get meta. Let's get meta. Let's do a weird sequel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like maybe kind of an unexpected sequel that people will be like, wait, how does this connect? Wait, so wait, a weird sequel to America? Because we're doing weird sequels this week is why, Joe. Joe, keep up. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I, I... I am in I am in sequel mode. Uh, weird sequel. America two. Oh, oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Do any of you know how that song actually goes? Yep. So I am literally looking at the Wikipedia page for the Oh Canada lyrics right now because I was about to ask you guys the same thing. I will give <laughs> either one of you. $5 for any line besides O Canada <laughs> that you can uh, say. I, I got one. I got one. Yep. The lumberjacks are waving <laughs> axes, maple syrup flowing free. Yeah? That is um, that is one. Yes, Nick, do got you have it. any uh, lyrics for O Canada? The richer. I-, I will also accept the lyrics in French, Nick. Oh, good. Okay, so you're going to bring books about Canada? I will bring a book about Canada. It is by the famous comedian and star of such films as The Love Guru, Mike Myers. <laughs> the Love Guru? <laughs> the Love Guru, yes. Um, it's a dreadful movie. You should all watch it. Uh, Mike Myers is Canadian. Hey, and that's he a real... A book. That's a, no, you know what? That's a real bummer. 
he was so hurt that he quit Hollywood because of that movie. <laughs> he did. <laughs> it's, it's a real amazing. downer. He was he was very well respected as a comedian before that. Well, it was a stinker though. Mike is a friend of the show because he starred as the voice of uh, Shrek in the film Shrek, which has previously appeared in book form on this podcast. Uh, Mike Myers is from mm-hmm. Canada, and he wrote a book called Canada. And so I'm going to bring that book. It's really fun. Um, Ian. Hey. Are you just going to... Um, can we just sit in silence for the next bit of time <laughs> in just bask in your victory? <laughs> It doesn't feel earned, but right. I, I promise you, it is. <laughs> there's a complex, you know, there's a really complex algorithm behind who wins on this podcast. And sometimes it's yeah, the success of your own pitch. So much more frequently, it's factors completely outside your control, such as this week. Yeah, it's, it is AI. It's Argyris Intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you should do a spinoff show. Um, I think every podcast hosts every group of podcast hosts eventually spin off into uh, an advice mm-hmm. podcast and i think your advice right. podcast should be called ai our jurist intelligence ai our jurist intelligence that's really uh, good thank you um guys i want to begin today with a game oh i love it when we have games i get I'm really ready. excited okay. i'm re- let's get that's is it gonna be weird it's pretty weird it's pretty weird okay uh, i'm gonna weird this up right now guys one of the best parts of the oz books uh, the whole 14 Wizard of Oz or Oz Land of Oz books written by L. Frank Baum is the names. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a name and your job is to tell me if it's an app in the app store, a pocket monster in the popular game Pocket Monsters, a.k.a. Pokemon, or a character from the Wizard of Oz universe. Wow. So this hold amazing. on. Yeah. Let's just run through that list of options again. Is there, uh, it's either a Pokemon, yeah. an app, or a character yes. in the Wizard of Oz? Yes. Is there... Oh, okay. but I think I can... I bet there's some spaces where, like, this Venn diagram overlaps. Like, is one of them going to be, like, a Pokemon and a character? Well, who knows? Well, of the course, only way for you to find out is to play the game, yeah, Joe, instead of trying yeah. to pick it apart with your meaty How little there, claws. There are challenges <laughs> to every game. That's what I'm makes it excited. so fun. So, okay. Let me just... Your, your options again. It, the, the game is called, of course... One Apple. more time. App, Pokemon, or Oz. And so I will say a name, and you tell me, <laughs> is this name. app, Pokemon, or Oz? That's all right. it is. Love it. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. I'm ready. Oh, and this, is, this is for um, 500 weird points. So this is the largest Whoa. block of weird points that we're giving out in this episode. So do make sure you, you play with all of your heart. Um, That's amazing. Here's your I first I think I name. only got two weird points earlier. This yeah, is, well, I feel like 500 the economics of this. <laughs> oh, my God. Start the, the game. <laughs> Higher Gargo. Can you say it again? Higher Gargo. <laughs> App, Pokemon, or Oz? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that feels Ozzy to me, right? Like, that feels like, what are they? They're like all called like Beelzebub and Methuselah. Methuselah. No, those are, those are Bible names. Ah. <laughs> Jesus. Oz. I still say Oz. I'm going to say Oz too, and I'm, I'm going to guess everything Joe does. Great. Um, <laughs> this is, in fact, a character from Oz. Yeah, uh, he's a magician Excellent. who job, makes Joe. a hollow tube through the earth. Oh, that's how like the Wonka Vader can travel there. Yeah, kind makes of, but of also sense. it's just a tube, and it's called the hollow tube. Uh, here's another one, Rx, and I'll spell this one for you: A U R E X, Rx. It's got to be a Pokemon. I also feel like it's a Pokemon. I feel like it's like a dinosaur-y one that like it's like the next evolution. So like the first one is Rex, and the second one is Rx. Okay. Yep. I love the lore. It's not. It's a character from Oz. It is a courtier from a culture who call themselves the skeezers. Oh, I knew a skeezer once. (laughs) Super shady. And he's he's on the other side of the microphone. Okay. uh, I've got another (laughs) one. This one, guys, this is a bit of a trick. TikTok. Oh, 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 oh. I got it. I got yep. it. Venn diagram. Di- Venn diagram. Yeah. Reference it the Venn diagram, Joe. An app, obviously, a famous app, and an Oz character. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Joe on this one. This is... It, the, the only thing I'm afraid of, it might also be a Pokemon, but I'm going to settle with those two. No, this is correct. It, this is correct. It is a <laughs> robot 
with a mustache in the Oz books. Oh, yeah. And it's also, I don't know if you guys know this, it's also an app. You can download it in the App big, Store. Okay. Big app. Yeah. Big Check us app. out on TikTok. You guys, oh dear, please don't. We should make TikToks. I'm sure, oh. I'm sure we have zero presence there. You guys have one more and you're tied. So remember, this is for 500 weird points. So don't weird this up, okay? And when you say we're tied, you mean that we have all, we've both guessed literally the same thing on each one of these, right? Uh, precisely. Yes. <laughs> Got and it. As, as goes one, so go we all. Here's the last one. Garbador. Gotta be an app. <laughs> like, 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 it, like they deliver your dry clean into your house, right? Like Garbador. Oh, garbage at your door. Oh, garbage door. I think Garbador sounds like, uh, uh, I think it sounds like a, I'm going to say Oz character. I think they've all been Oz characters so far. I'm going to say Oz character. Garbador. Okay. We got one Oz character from Joe and Nick. Um, I'm going to go um, uh, definitely Pokemon. Nick, you win. Yeah. This is, in fact, a six foot tall, 230 pound Pokemon, which looks like a trash bag, <laughs> eats trash and vomits poison. <laughs> Joe, you wow. lost twice tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would just like to point out that you each made a game that you let the other person win. That that feels like collusion to me. Well, we did not plan it, Joe. Well, <laughs> history will decide. History Nick is will more decide. of a Pokemon fiend. Yeah, I'm po- a master. Poke, so Poke there's the master. game. I hope you learned something. Nick, you are currently in the lead. I learned a lot. 500 to 2. Yep. Uh, your weird point balance is huge. <laughs> is there any way that I can win 499 weird points before the end of this Absolutely. episode? Over the course of the episode, excellent. The more times you say the word "weird," the more times you get points. Yep. That's how it works. Yep. Excellent. Great foundation for your book, no doubt. Um, <laughs> I think it pretty pretty much spells it all out for us. I don't. No yeah, more I questions. Mean, well, well, more yeah, needs to be said. Um, I'll tell you the plot. How about that? We'll start there. Oh, that's a good place to start. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing. Uh, and and as I said, I will not be filling you in with all of the ins and outs and details because there is a lot. Um, the focus of this book is a little boy named Tip. And Tip is the servant slash prisoner of an evil witch. And her name is Mombi. The names don't really matter, but we just did talk about names. So, <laughs> To you, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they sound pretty cool. Um, so did you say that in front of them? Tip builds a mannequin pump with a pumpkin for a head called a pumpkin head and he's doing this to prank the witch but she brings it to life and then starts to turn him into marble uh the boy so the boy and the pumpkin head run away and they also bring a <laughs> sawhorse to life and they ride on the sawhorse uh, oh man and are you gonna make weird. me eat, eat my words huh <laughs> All it's right. pretty weird. I'm going to start looking for a quote. <laughs> so Joe might be back in this. <laughs> so eventually. So, uh, okay. So Marble Boy is, is alive and kicking. Yep. He's mm-hmm. alive and kicking. Eventually they get to um, Tip and the pumpkin head and the sawhorse get to the Emerald City. And the scarecrow from the first Oz book is king there. Um, and the, as wow. they get there, there is the aforementioned. Uh, bloodless battle and an army of girls who have knitting needles for their weapons attack um, and they overrun the city because they covet the jewels they love jewels and they also want to enslave men is their thing <laughs> the, 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 the two so wait okay. the, it's dual purpose this attack they love jewels and the emerald city is obviously full of them yes and they want to enslave men it's a win-win. And specifically, it's like, men have ruled us too long. Let's overturn men. And instead, women in, are in charge. And we'll eat a lot of candy too, but that's incidental. So the friends, all of them get captured and they build a flying machine out of leaves and sofas and a skull and they escape. And then a whole bunch of stuff and, happens, which we're not yeah. really going to get into. But right. eventually, Glinda from The Wizard of Oz and the Tin Woodman, also from The Wizard of Oz, they all kind of help out. And all of the political issues, which are many, are set right, and everything ends up okay, and there is a huge bug that makes puns. Okay. I have a few follow-up questions. Yeah, please. The, the, fir- the first one's quick. I'm really proud of the Scarecrow. Like, he be- he's become president of this city. King. Right? Mayor of this King. city. 
king, king of this. He king. took I'm power sorry. by force. <laughs> do, do, do the Tin Man and Glinda have new jobs too or no? No. Well, sort of. So the Glinda Glinda rules over um, her little corner of Oz and the Tin Man is the emperor of his little corner of Oz. Amazing. But also the Scarecrow is like supreme king over the whole thing. They treat politics very seriously, but there's not really a lot of governing that goes on. It's sure. it's more like kind of like politics are a thing that matter. Ha ha ha. But we don't really get into the the details of, you know, how Glinda right. shares we, power. We don't care about with, like cabinet members yeah. and like any sorts of hierarchies or things like that. Like how is power distributed here? Yeah. Okay. Second question. You said there's a skull on this fly-in machine. Yes. Is it like a functional part of it or is it like a cool masthead? Uh, Great question. That's a really good question. So um, let me just dig into this a little bit. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you can take 10 weird points Got for it. that. Excellent. Fantastic. Uh, so, Uh-oh. so this flying machine, it's, it's one of the most like cool slash interesting parts of this book. They're trying to escape the Emerald City because they're they're stuck inside. the 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 army of girls is around the outside, um, and they they build a flying machine out of four leaves, um, some sofas, which are like clothesline rope tied together, uh, a broom for the tail, and a skull from one of the rooms of the castle. And then they sprinkle this magic powder on it, which brings it to life. Uh, and this thing is like, powder. they sprinkle it on the skull. And the skull is like weird. I remember being an animal walking around in the forest. And now I am not oh, back. I can fly. Oh, wow. So it's a sentient flying machine. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, wow. And it, okay. It, the, the skull wants to be killed. The skull wants to be taken oh, out. God. Like, <laughs> The whole it so says like weird. I I don't exist is... I shouldn't exist I'm a monster please take me apart I'm an abomination I'm an abomination I am I am I am an un, oh, unholy amalgam a golem of 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 household implements and leaves and please take me apart and at the end of the book when he's kind of when bomb is kind of like wrapping this stuff up it's like. Uh, all the characters, well, like, what do they want? And Glinda gives this guy this and this guy that. And the the Gump, the the flying machine, is like, oh wait a minute, that happens at the end of this book too. <laughs> <laughs> they do it again. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh well, I mean, it's a children's book. <laughs> They've got to have the wrapping up. All right. Um, okay. The, the Gump says that this flying machine says, "I would like nothing better than to be disassembled." Um, so. He stays sentient, but they hang right the skull on the wall, and he just kind of talks to people as they walk by. Does he like that? He likes. He prefers it to like being an, a flying abomination. Yes. Okay, but would he rather just be dust? Would he rather be like a skeleton again? Answer the question. <laughs> he doesn't want to fly. Is really the big. Uh, thing. He also doesn't <laughs> want his body to be made of sofas. <laughs> Why is this so entertaining to you, Joe? I'm not. This is such like it seems like a very specific plot point. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> this seems like an extremely specific path that we've chosen to talk about. I mean, it's not. It's not necessarily the most important thing in the book. It's it not an important thing. It seems you it seems like you were going to tell us about the plot and it seems like we went down a path similar to Joe's of just a series of things that keep happening. Is your book also a series of things that keep happening because the author didn't have a plan? The the overall thing that this book is doing is it's like the first book is about a little child who gets to go on a fun adventure. And meet some cool weird friends. And yeah. this this book is kind of like that too. I mean, you've got the 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 Oz thing is characters who shouldn't be characters. So like a scarecrow shouldn't be a character, or a tin woodman shouldn't be a character, or a lion, but they are. And this book has the same thing. You've got a pumpkin head, you've got a sawhorse. Um, it's like kind of that same like unexpected, strange group of friends. There's also a lot of like cameo appearances from old favorites. So Glind is here and the Tin Woodman is here and the Scarecrow is here. Um, and there's just like a lot of classic Oz stuff. 
Right. Callbacks. Yeah. Callbacks. Like if, right. like if you're going to write <laughs> a sequel to Oz, the scarecrow is going to be here. Right. And then like there are certain folks who don't show up, like um, the cowardly lion doesn't show up. Dorothy doesn't show up. But for the most part, <laughs> that's very oh, on wow. brand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking no show coward. Um, are there would you say this book does it right as far as like the nostalgia factor? Like, do they do they go back to that in a good way? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really it, it honestly it's weird. It, it kind of pushes forward the the Oz mythos. It's not like okay. just a retread. And I really like he says the beginning. I wasn't he, he has like this this preface. I wasn't going to write another Oz book, but everyone loved the, the book so much. And I made this play and everyone loved the play. I kind of feel like I have to. So he does, but it goes mm-hmm. in a different direction. So he doesn't just kind of give us the greatest hits again. It's not like it's not like you know um, a, a band coming out and just covering all of their all of their old classics. He's doing new stuff. He's doing right. weird. They play different stuff. Yeah, he like sprinkles in like a classic. Like he finishes with Sweet Caroline, but he also you know plays his new stuff. Right, and, and honestly, like the the end of this book kind of sets up Oz as a fun, cool place to be. Um, it's not just like. Um, not it, it doesn't it doesn't sort of like it doesn't leave us with a sense of we haven't gone anywhere. The 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 kingdom is in a better place. I'm trying hard not to spoil, but the kingdom is in a better place mm-hmm. after this, after this um this the the events of this book. So Ian, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up um what I believe to be the most terrifying thing to ever be created on screen. Okay. Um and that is the wheelers. I have seen the movie Return to Oz. Now, it's uh-huh. not fresh in my mind, but I have seen it. And I have seen it as a youth. And if you're not familiar with the Wheelers, everybody, just go ahead and Google Return to Oz Wheelers. It is terrifying. Whoa. It is the scariest shit I can imagine. It is people whose mm-hmm. hands and feet have been cut off and replaced by wheels. Wow. And and they're hunched over, kind of like like giraffes, like giraffes. If you didn't have a long neck, they're on oh, all wow. fours, and their arms are probably double the length of normal arms. Um, yeah, really long arms. Yeah. So tell us about that in the book, Ian. Is that as terrifying as it is as the art director was for the movie that made these? Oh wheelers? dear. How is yeah. this a kids' movie? It's crazy. It's this crazy. Is dreadful. Terrifying. I can. You know what? I am I am honored to suggest that there's no such thing as the wheelers in this book. Fascinating. The the Return to Oz, which I haven't seen. I understand it's based on in part on this book as well as from uh on the next book which is called Ozma of Oz. Um and they, the wheelers mm-hmm. might be there. I don't know. I didn't bring that book. I brought this book and I can certainly say it does not include wheelers the gender situation in this book is very very strange okay Okay. did not expect that sentence what do you mean i mentioned the army of girls Mm -hmm. right and which was pretty weird with the with the knitting needles they're just they seem like this huge stereotype this huge like parody this was written around the time that the women's suffrage movement was happening and there's like this i mean they're they're scared of mice they love eating candy they want dominion over men their weapons are literally knitting needles so like you i was reading this and i was like oh no l frank baum what are you doing Uh uh-oh yeah you hasn't aged well he's like he's like dunking on the women's suffrage movement but um it turns out that he was he was not he's not actually dunking on the whole women's suffrage movement. He's just dunking on a, a sector of it which he thinks is ridiculous. Because the end of this book okay. involves a much more moderate, kind of sensible, empowered woman, kind of a Glinda the Good type mm-hmm. type person, instead of these cartoon characters. So he's not necessarily saying women should stay at home and not vote. He's just kind oh of boy. mocking a certain type of suffragette. Okay. What can I, sorry, just to back up here. Ian. Yeah. Are you saying, what are you saying? Or are you speculating or is this pretty much, is this known that there's like, what is this anti-women? 
you think it's anti-specific groups of women? I'm kind of I'm kind of narrating I'm narrating like your experience. As you read this, you're like, okay, cool. It's another it's another Oz book. Fun. It's weird and funky. Okay, now there are things coming to life. Whatever. And then you run kind of like full on into this cartoonish stereotype of the empowered woman, and you're like, wait, what? What is this doing? What is this doing here? And then you you somewhat begrudgingly finish the book, and then you do some research on L. Frank Baum, and you realize. Okay, he was not a huge misogynist. He was not anti-women. He wasn't against women's suffrage. He was, in fact, married to uh, a woman who kind of was a part of this movement. She she influenced him to end up, um, like, putting these ideas, this idea of, of women's empowerment in his books. You can see it throughout his books, as Joe has mentioned. But as you read it, until you get that kind of, till you get to the end, and you're like, oh, okay, there is such a thing as women being in charge and they're not like ridiculous cartoons. Until you get to the end, you're like, what on earth is going on here? Hmm. I'm not still sure what you're saying. I, I mean, I get it. Like, he's saying, okay, there's this moment in the book where you get where as a modern reader, you have to hold your breath because you go, ooh, army of girls who want candy and dominate men and who attack with knitting needles. Like, that's not great. That's like a caricature of what we right. might expect. Do you think it's a little um, condescending? I don't think it's condescending. Mm, I think, hmm. Okay. Just, just to jump ahead, do we need to cancel this guy or what? <laughs> Because I'm on sounds board. Sounds like no. Sounds like no. Sounds like Ian was worried, but sounds like no. Right. I, I think, I think, I don't think we need to cancel him. I think. Okay. It's, I'll hit it the button. It seems like, okay, it seems like it's trending in that direction. And then the outcome is that um, these girls, like their, their negative, their negative qualities are revealed to be not so much uh, all women are like this, but more these are. These are children, basically, and they have bad impulse control, and they're they're sort of they're they're cartoonish because kids kids are extreme. It's like a, a twist at the end where you think, "Oh, um, we need to cancel this guy," and then he's like, "No, just kidding. Don't cancel me. <laughs> just just kidding. <laughs> it's all good." Um, there there is such a thing as a wise, powerful woman, and in fact, she is now in charge of the whole country yes this is a just a just a just this is just a weird a weird thing that i learned about him that i like having read i so i i've i've read the wonderful wizard i've read a couple of the other later oz books but like when i read when i when i learned this about him it kind of clicked so he was writing uh l frank baum was writing in response to a tradition of children's literature and he was like I don't want this to be overt. I don't want to have explicit messaging in my books, like morals. And that's why young Johnny learned he should never be cruel and only kind to all of the puppies who came around his father's door. He cuts all of that out. Like, I mean, there are good intentions in the wizard of oz like there's there's there are there are lessons you could learn from it but it's not like moralizing it's not like telling you and now children be just like dorothy or you'll all catch on fire um and he also (laughs) tries to remove the violence from children's stories Mm -hmm. so if you've ever read like any of the original like grim's fairy tales they're pretty grim like dark as well no, we, no wheelers, though. No <laughs> wheelers, but functionally, like the story of Cinderella in some of the early, the early fairy tales, she's like cut the the, the sisters are cutting off parts of their own feet to fit into the prince's Ugh. slippers. Um, so like, or the, sorry, Cinderella's Cinderella's slippers. So like, he saw like the violence, which was part of children's literature, and he was like, "Hey, maybe not that." And in this book, and as the series goes on, he really dials down kind of the overt moralizing and the violence. And so he ends up kind of inventing a new type of children's literature. And I see this, honestly, as something of a precursor to Dr. Seuss. Like Dr. Seuss is zany and wacky and wonky and funky and weird 
and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. imaginative mm-hmm. and welcoming and there's not a lot of violence and like Dr. Seuss doesn't involve you know some morals sometimes more than others but I, I really see having like done this deep dive into um, um, an Oz book that isn't the wonderful Wizard of Oz it feels like it feels like Baum was ahead of his time. It feels like he um, he kind of knew where things were going or he was setting things up to go in a good direction. And I think without L. Frank Baum, we wouldn't have Dr. Seuss and we might not have Roald Dahl. That seems like a whole nother episode, <laughs> but but interesting. I, I, I would actually dig a Roald Dahl week. I mean, mm, we also mm-hmm. kind of do have L. Frank Baum. Um, what does the L stand for? Lyman. So he was named after his uncle and he hated it. <laughs> So was he not going to guess that he was, <laughs> I was he was a, he was a really fascinating guy. He wrote a book on chickens and he ran a store in South Dakota, right. which went bankrupt because he sold everything on credit and never asked for people to pay their accounts. Oh. And my favorite, my favorite um, bomb fact is this as wizard of Oz got successful in 1905 bomb said, I have discovered an Island off the coast of California oh. and I am going to build an Oz amusement park on this island. This is 1905. He had this theme park Mm -hmm. idea long before, like the whole media empire, long before Disney. L. Frank Baum is saying, I'm going to build Oz basically on this island. And he went so far as to like, we're going to have these actors playing these parts. I'm going to design these buildings. And the kicker is that we don't think this island exists. He said he had bought the island, but there's no evidence, yeah, historically or anywhere, that that he bought this island right. or that such an island existed. Wow. Do you think he got hoodwinked, like when people sell you like a part of the moon? Yes. Yes. Do, does that happen a lot, Joe? Well, I think it Joe. Could. <laughs> Joe has like several acres of moonland by now. Guys, I own so much <laughs> of the moon. Joe, you lose. Oh, I have my quote all lined up. I thought it was going to be a last minute mix them up. <laughs> Shit. That's fair. It could happen. That's it fair. It could happen. Yeah, yeah you right. never know. I made a valiant right. effort can... to lose this week, but it was outside my control. <laughs> you tried your hardest, Ian, but but somehow you uh, still came out ahead from Joe's terrible, terrible book. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Congratulations, Ian. Lidheads, we love you. If you want to help support the show, the number one thing you can do is head over to our website and suggest a theme, suggest a book. We read all of your suggestions and we read a bunch of your books. Uh, fair warning, though. I think that every book that we've ever read that was suggested by a Lidhead has lost no don't tell them that that. guys okay okay guys it's definitely going to win you know let's just clear this up once and for all litheads when you submit a book and Mm -hmm. it doesn't win that's not on you that's joe and ian have failed you that's on me. joe and ian have failed you and (laughs) they apologize yeah we do apologize we we appreciate your submissions or possibly uh circumstances outside our control completely like what nick had for lunch impact whether or right. not that right, right, right. There's lunch. a yep. lot that goes into who wins and loses this week. Um, or <laughs> what Nick drank at lunch. Very little goes into <laughs> who wins and loses this week. Uh, so, Lidheads, if you want to help us out, the number one thing you can do is suggest a book, suggest a theme. Also, tell a nerdy friend about us, right? Don't just tell anybody. Tell your dorkiest, bookiest friend. Say, oh, hey. Hold on now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's this podcast. Also, tell your fucking cool nerd friends. friends. Your jock friends. <laughs> Yeah. Don't tell your jock friends they're going to beat you up. They're going to be like book podcast. Where do you dork. think do you think do you think all of our listeners are high school students? <laughs> that there's like nerds and jocks. Tell the AV club, tell the chess club. Tell, so tell your big brother about this podcast. Tell so he beats Bueller. up all the nerds. <laughs> Oh, Lidheads, that's everything I have to say. Give really us good review. plug there, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, congratulations. Okay. Joe, um, you lose the plug. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hat trick. Um, okay. F- for this quote, 
Um, this kind of taps into what I was saying about the book's earnestness. The book is very like it it it's just like it's just nice. It's not it's not trying to send a message, but it's just very, very earnest about good stuff in the world. So for this quote, you'll need the background in The Wizard of Oz. The Scarecrow gets his brains, and the Tin Woodman gets a heart. And over the course of this book, my book, The Marvelous Land of Oz, the Scarecrow's stuffing is torn out, and they replace it with paper money. And I'm not going to get into that, but the Scarecrow is now stuffed not with straw, but with with bills, dollar bills. Awesome. So this is the final, this is the, the kind of the, the, the drawing it together. I think, said the little queen, smiling, that your friend, the Scarecrow, must be the richest man in all the world. I am, returned the Scarecrow, but not on account of my money, for I consider brains to be far superior to money in every way. You may have noticed that if one has money without brains, he cannot use it to advantage. But if one has brains without money, they will enable him to live comfortably to the end of days. At the same time, declared the Tin Woodman, you must acknowledge that a good heart is the thing that brains cannot create and that money cannot buy. Perhaps, after all, it is I who am the richest man in all the world. You are both rich, my friends, said the Queen gently, and your riches are the only riches worth having. The riches of being content. It's wise. Yeah. Very wise. But it's not moral. It's not a moral. Don't say it's a moral. Nope. Just wisdom. Just wisdom, guys. 